morning, everybody. Hey, we have some special visitors I want to acknowledge. There are a group of folks here this morning to pray who were before service praying for a very excellent biblical mandate. There's a group of you praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I want to thank all of you for doing that. It, it is not only is it a good thing, it is a righteous act. It's a biblical call to do. So thank you. Welcome for those of you who, who stayed for services with us. It's nice to have you this morning and, and to see you. Pinewood Derby. Congratulations, Spellacy Home Group. Now I'm predicting one year, one solid year of trash talking. <laughs> Lots of it. And I also want to thank you. There's a lot of thanks going on this morning. I want to thank you for all of you who supported my sister and brother-in-law and their children. Griffin's been lots of problems. I'm kidding. <laughs> Griffin's over there. No, they had triplets. For those of you who don't know, my sister and brother-in-law had triplets a year ago. And yesterday they celebrated their, their year birthday. And it was very cool. Very cool. God has been in that all the way through. And a number of you here in this house of grace have been active in supporting them with diapers and... Things related to babies, I guess. It can be very, very expensive. Uh, Josie, my sister, was sharing yesterday that she had one day with 16 poofy diapers. Ah, and then I thought, well, that's just Noah. (laughs) Kidding, that's a different nephew. That's her cousin. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of nice. I can be up here and say things, and then they're just stuck, just listening. You know what I'm talking about, right? Family. Mike, let's go ahead and put my... My cover slide there. By the way, by the way, I gave notice at my company. I'm very excited. So uh, I'm going to go into selling drugs now. No, no, no. For those of you who don't know, uh, I gave notice so I can be on staff here full time. And it's only been 23 and a half years in waiting, but I'm very excited. I'll work with my dad. I'm very excited about that. He's kind of stuck with me. The one who I really feel sorry for is Judy, because she's not a, now got to deal with two Susslers in the building at once. One Susslers, one thing, but now there's another one. Heaven help Judy. But I'm very excited about that. All right, so family dinner, families as a whole. Yeah, how can you not laugh at family sometimes? Have you ever seen fam- awkward family photos, any of you? Mike, go ahead. Some of these just make me smile. They're pretty self-explanatory. I don't know how that baby got his dad to take one of those cigarettes, but he did. Next one. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to dress up your son for his very first day, at, his very first picture day at school, why would you do this to him? Jason Howell, that's terrible. Okay, next one. So this family celebrates Easter and Christmas with some crazy-looking elf at the same time. I don't know what their holidays are like, but I'm... Next one. So here we have uh, a lady dressed to go out and elegant. Uh, Of course, she has a date with Willy Wonka. Next one. So this is a family experience, right? I'm not, this is a family experience. The poor lady was eating a sucker and her teeth got stuck to the sucker. Okay, next one. All right, look at it. (laughs) 
I don't know how that boy's pants fell in the second row, but they did. And some family has this photo living in infamy now. Okay, next one. That's real hair. That is real. That is not photoshopped hair. Do you, how many of you remember the days of the perm? Some of you don't. You don't know what I'm talking about. But the days of the perm, man, people liked big hair. They wanted big hair. All right, next one. This is a nice picture. It's actually a Jewish family, mother, father, son, and squirrel. Can you see it? Even a squirrel wants to get into the family. It's on, the, uh, it's on just on the left of the mother. Pretty. You got to love families. And you got to love family photos. I've got some. I'm old enough now where some of the photos have that kind of weird hue. You know what I mean? Like the, uh, uh, you know, it was stylish to have like a hue of the picture taken at the time. And now I look at it and go, woo, not, not good. And uh, there are other photos, of course, that are more normal in my family. But um, families, families, I mean, they're, they are their own experience. They really are. Biblically, some of the families in the, in the Old Testament are unique. Adam and Eve, the very first family, they had family problems almost from the get-go. It is the first time in recorded history that we know of anywhere where a man blames a woman. No, no. She gave it to me, God. Right? That's a, that is a family fight in the making. I mean, when the Lord left the garden, what did she say to him? Really? Why did you put that on me? You took it yourself? What about this? They had children. They had the first children that we know of. One killed the other. The very first act of murder happened from the very first family. Abraham. He got together. He wanted to have a son. He got together with a servant, had Ishmael, and became the who became later on the father of the Arabs, as we know today. How about, how about this? His brother Lot, or his brother cousin, cousin uncle, his relative Lot. I'm mental blocking. I actually know what this. I'm mental blocking. Lot. Lot had a man that was one messed up family. If you know, if you know the story of Lot, very messed up family, incestuous. I mean, that was a messed up thing. Isaac. Now, you know, I really thought about Isaac. I really thought about this. Was this, that, was this that big of a deal? Maybe from a brother's perspective. It's not, but from a father's perspective, it could be a big deal. Having one son trick me, or trick a father, for the other son's item, which happened to be a very big deal. And that's what the youngest son did. He tricked for the oldest son. Um, David had a... <laughs> boy, did he have family problems. He might be the king of the family problems. He, uh, of course, he had uh, an affair with a married woman, had the husband killed later on to cover up his infidelity. And at one point, one of his sons wanted to kill him. David went on the lamb on the run. He left his, his throne as king to be on the run from a son that was going to kill him. And this lasted for several years that he was on the lamb. There are more family challenges in the Old Testament. It, it's funny today. I'll, I'll listen to people talking about family problems. Everybody has family problems at some point. But they're really, I haven't found any that are any worse than what these people had. True? There's one pair in the Old Testament, and I believe it's Adam offhand. This is, if memory serves me right, I believe it's Adam, Adam and Eve. And one of their sons hooked up with another lady from another area, and the Bible says they were grieved all their days. Now, if you've ever been a parent of, of a child who has hooked up with somebody, please no, please no, please no, not this one. Okay, they hooked up with that one. They gr you, gr you understand that. 
parents, families go through things that only families go through. They're serious things. And of course, in the, in the New Covenant, the New Testament scriptures, there's lots of discussions about family also. But there's kind of a twist in the New Covenant. There's kind of a twist in the scriptures in the New Testament. It's not just about a physical family. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, he talks about Timothy, my true son in the faith. True son. He, I don't know why he said true. He could have said my son, but my true son in the faith. Jesus says, Mark 33, 35, everyone who does the will of God, he is my brother, my sister, my, mo- my mother. Everybody who does these things, he is my brother, sister, mother. Galatians 6, 10, I believe we have that one. So then, as we have opportunity to let us do good toward everyone, and especially those who are in the household of faith. Household of faith, that is a description of family, if I've ever seen a description of family. If we're in the household of faith, that's us. Bam, pretty good, right? Family. This is what I want to talk about. This is really the key. It is a way of looking at who we are. You know, in business, there's an expression, they'll have a business model. The business model for something is this. I was at a presentation several years ago at Kohl's, in Kohl's corporate headquarters, and the the person presenting was talking about Kohl's corporate strategy. And the strategy of Kohl's used to be they were a local uh, seller. They would sell, they had grocery stores and departments. It was, it was local, right? You remember that? But then they started to expand and they started to move coals out. Now they've got coals in every state. Good for coals. What do they do next? They decided that they want to be in every state, but they really want to be more impactful in the markets in the state. In other words, they want to uh, be more involved in setting prices for other real, uh, retailers. So we're going to see Kohl's more active, and the things that go out, they'll sell more in bulk. Like Walmart can really drive prices. Kohl's wants to be more active that way. They want to gain a certain market segment. My point is, uh, what is my point? There's a business model. There we go. There's a business model. And we know in the Bible, the Lord has given us a business model for how we are to be with each other, a kind of a paradigm perspective on how we are to be. We are to be family. Any of you who have been in a church for a long period of time, you've heard this expression, oh, that's my church family. That's my church family. Right? How many of you heard that before? Or you've used it, that's my church family. I, I, I don't, you know, we say things so often sometimes that we don't always think about what we're saying. If we're going to use the expression church family, we really need to be aware of what it means. Amen? We're going to say it and believe it. We need to be aware of what it means. It is a big deal. A family... Oh, let's look at one more verse before I get going here. Mike, bring it up there. John 17. I do not ask for these only. This is, uh, this is Jesus talking. I do not ask for these only, the people at the time, that's who these are, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may be the one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have, gi- that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be even one as we are one. This, this is kind of the key here. We are one in who the Lord is. And the purpose and design God has for him we're one. So let's step away from the scriptures for a minute and go back into a family. I want you to think of a family meal. 
Maybe a holiday meal, if that's easier. When you get together with other folks in your family. And I mean a big celebration. Maybe a reunion. Think of a reunion, if that helps some of you. Or maybe a special event. A graduation, some sort of ceremony. You know, something like that when you see family. So get that in your head. You got a picture in your head? A family? What do you see going on? This is what a family does. A family listens to each other. Have you ever seen people at the dinner table? They don't see each other for a year, some other family function. But what do they do? They, call, they catch up with each other. They listen. What are you doing? La, 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 la. This is what I'm doing. La, 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 la. They're very patient with each other, aren't they? Sometimes somebody go, may, in the family may be going through a, a phase. You know, a phase. You've all used it for people in your family. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, they're just in a phase. But they love them right through that phase. They're tolerant right through a phase. They persevere through a phase. Then they see them again a year later, and that person's through the phase. They're still family. What about the family nut? You still invite them, don't you? Oh, maybe you don't want to, but you still do. You know what I'm talking about. Are you with me? These family meals are a trip. Other things happen, though. You'll see children at the table, and they're trying to figure out their food. And sometimes whoever's sitting next to them will help them cut it up. Somebody a little bit older will help them cut the food. Sometimes there's a children's table. And, and, and I've seen this at family functions where somebody will get up, you know, the child can't cut their food, and it's not always the mom or dad that gets up. It's the aunt, the uncle, the grandma, the grandpa, the older cousin, the niece, the nephew, whatever, will get up and help them cut their food. So there's almost a support network going on inside the family. People in family have a different set of rules, don't they? If my family comes to my house and they open my refrigerator door, I don't think too much of it. If my neighbor comes to my house and opens the refrigerator door, I think that's, you know, I'm on to them. <laughs> Families have different sets of rules. You know, if we dress up, or not dress up, if we're going to have a family function, I don't wear just any clothes. I don't show up to that in, in, uh, in, in ripped up clothes, my paint clothes. Some of you have paint clothes. I don't show up to that in paint clothes. And I don't, I don't leave my house messy. Well, that's for two reasons. I'm married to Leah. That's one. But also, also I, if family's coming over, you know, we do need to clean it up a little bit, right? I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, Johanna and Michael will come over. It's my daughter and son-in-law, and they'll bring Caleb. You know, we'll see him at the house, but we're still going to pick up the stuff. And Leah's got a great way of saying it, too. Jim, what is this stuff? That's code for saying, <clears throat> but you know what I'm talking about. If you're having family over, what do you do? You take off the paint clothes. You make sure the house is presentable, even for family. What a family isn't, what you don't see at those types of things is you don't see a lot of judgment. Yes, somebody may disagree with somebody at the, at the dinner table. They may disagree with them, but they're not going to say, okay, your family might. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's not primarily at those dinners what's happening. If there's a judgment thing, what do we do with family? We just kind of roll our eyes and just go along with it, don't we? We just make it peace because it's family. You don't see uh, a lot of folks who are grudge-holding. I say not a lot. There are some. <laughs> but we keep inviting them. 
to her family functions. And even through the grudges, they still love the family. What about crabby folks? They may start off a family function crabby, but they don't always end the family function crabby because they're family. Right? Did you, did you ever watch your children or a relative get a gift of something they already have? What do you do? You teach that child or that relative not to say, I already got this. Why don't you give me something better? You teach them to what? To be gracious. Because it's family. If we're called the household of faith, or if the household of faith is described as family and we're to be one and united, these are the sorts of behaviors that we need here. Amen? Okay. Next slide. I'm just going to dive into a verse. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, this is a funny verse to me. I've been excited about using this verse for this message for some time now. And last week, Pastor Mike used it. And yesterday, my dad used it at Beth Messiah. And I think, man, I wonder if the Lord's trying to get something through us here. Don't you think that's an odd coincidence? Sometimes the Lord does that. You know, he aligns hearts uh, on his own schedule and his own timing. People will know us by our love. They'll know us by our love. You know, if we're in the household of faith, if we're in the family of the Lord, how are they going to know us? By our love. This is a big deal. By our love. You don't have this in your PowerPoint. Psalm 68.6 says, and the Lord says, God settles the lonely in homes. We here, our spiritual family, of course, God will bring lonely people into us, into our home. He's going to walk them straight into this building. Some of them aren't even going to know why they picked this congregation. They drove by, they saw it. They were in line, they saw it. They heard from somebody, they saw it, and they came here. And a lot of them are just hurting lonely people. Just lonely. You ever been lonely before? You know what I mean. It's our job to love them to death, the way we would a family. So in my family, in my natural family right now, I have a grandson that's just a little fellow. He's not even a year old. He's a little guy. He's not even crawling yet. And then I've got, of course, my children are older. Which one do you think needs more attention? The baby needs more attention. Now, my children are older. I love them. I love my grandchild, my son-in-law, my wife. We have a good, happy family unit. But some need more attention than others. It doesn't mean that we love one more than another. True? You parents understand what I'm talking about. You have multiple kids. You love them the same. If you've got siblings, you love one more than the other. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I wish I had more siblings here today. Jackie, this is kind of fun, right? Oh, she's outside? Because I really want to say, Jackie, I love you most today. <laughs> uh, uh, God's going to walk him right inside. Right inside. We're going to get different people. You know, there's a verse that says, you know, Jesus is sending people, everybody out, and he says, first go to, you know, start, when you're sharing faith, start with Jerusalem, then go to Judea, and then go to Samaria, and then the utmost, utmost parts of the earth. And really, if we look at it geographically, we say, well, Jerusalem is where he was, and then Judea is just a little ways out. It's just about 15 miles away. It's not far away. And Samaria is starting to get out a little ways. It's actually about 40 miles further. So we're here, and then we go just a little bit, and then just a little bit, and you get the idea to carry it out. Now, that's geographically. But if we look at it culturally, 
from a family lens, it's very different. When he says, start with Jerusalem, start with people you're familiar with. And then when you go to Judea, you'll know something about them, but they're a little different out there because, you know, things are a little different. There's some cultural differences with people. But then he says you go to do Samaria, and now you're in a, Samaria is where the Samaritans were. This is a whole different people's group. They have a whole different perspective and looking at everything. So when you get to that area and they look a little different and they sound a little different, you still got to be there. And you know what? As they come to faith, they're still family. People come to faith, that doesn't mean that we're all on the same page. That just means we're still family. So just like a, a family dinner, we love them. We're patient with them. We spend more time with them. We cultivate the relationship. We don't hold grudges. And we look forward to getting together again. So remember, the geographic difference is one thing, but the cultural difference is something else. And we've all seen it. We see it in our natural family with the people that we're learning about. Learning to love. And we see it in the kingdom family. You know, when people come to faith, there is not this on switch for us liking everybody. And the love I'm talking about, of course, is agape love. When we take on and come to faith, we love. We're known by our love. Even when they don't come to faith, we're known by our love. But when they come to faith and they walk in our house, we're really known by our love. That agape love. The like switch sometimes takes a little time to warm up, but we love anyway. And we love in that model, that paradigm that, that the Lord gave us. We love as a family. Just for grins, I'm going to read this uh, 1 Corinthians 13. This is very much a descriptor of agape love. We hear it a lot at weddings. You know, I lo- I've used it at weddings, and I'm not, I'm not apologetic for that. Agape love is a God-centered love, and it's, a, uh, uh, it's something that, that we get from God. We need the Lord to really facilitate this agape love, and it's an, it's an action. And I figure, you know, husbands and wives need this too. Right? There's a time where they're learning each other, and there's a time in relationships where there can be a real stretch and challenge. And they'll even need to see the agape love for each other. So I use it at weddings. But it's much bigger than weddings. It's for all of us. Because, again, the model that the Lord's given us is the family model. First uh, Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient. This is that love that we need to have. Love is patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful. You ever known anybody who's jealous about their love? I get it first. We had somebody years ago in our youth group that liked the youth group size. And this was years ago. This was at least 20 years ago. And she said, if our youth group gets bigger, I'm leaving. Isn't that bizarre? And I talked to this, this young lady's mother. And she was, this young lady was about 16. And I talked to her mother. And her mother said, yeah, she's going to leave if it gets bigger. So after the girl left, I thought, huh. I'll remember that forever and ever. And she did leave, by the way, the very next week because we had one more person join us. Love is patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud. So I was going to make a a wise aleck remark. I won't. Not boastful, not proud. It's not rude or selfish, not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. I remember she did back in 1974. I'll never forget that. Love does not gloat over other people's sins. It takes delight in the truth. Love always bears up, always trusts, always hopes, always endures. I love it. It always hopes and always endures. If we see just, just even those two things in the people that walk in, we always hope for them and we always endure with them. We're really on to something. 
God's going to bring in who he brings in. I've got an uncle um, who's not a believer, and we as a family have been praying for him for a long time. I've prayed for him quite a, quite a number of years that he would come to faith, that he would come to faith. Someday, someday, whether it's this building or a different building, if he walks into some building somewhere, I hope he gets loved to death. Because I've been praying for him for over 30 years. And that's just me praying for him. That's just me. There's a lot of other people, including my dad, who's been praying for him just as long, if not longer. More heartfelt. Love. One more slide, Mike. Rather speaking the truth in love. Rather speaking the truth in love. I want to pause here for a minute. There's an implication just in this first line that love isn't about being a pansy. Love is not about tolerance. If we're going to speak the truth in love, if that's calling out that we need to speak something in love, we need to be graceful about what we're going to say in love, that means it's probably a strong statement. Are you with me? Now, we can go all through the Bible, and we know clearly love isn't being a pansy. Jesus was a great example of this. Jesus died on the cross because he loved us and because he was obedient to his Father. But also, this is the same Jesus that sat outside a temple and he made a whip so he could later go in the temple and make his point that the temple was being abused in the name of God. He made a whip. You think about that? You talk about a deliberate action. This is a, this is a man who sat outside and he made a whip. He, he, he assembled his whip to get into action. It, when he went in the temple and flipped the tables over for the money changers, it wasn't a spontaneous moment. He didn't lose his cool. This is a guy who deliberately had action inside that temple. Loving is not being a pansy. Love is standing up for righteousness and all those attributes that we just went through. So rather than speaking the truth in love, we are going to grow up in every way unto him who is... I'm sorry, grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We are going to grow up. As we speak this truth, we are going to grow up more into Christ. You know, it's a hard thing to speak the, the words of the Lord. Sometimes people don't want to hear it. But we do it in love. And we grow up into Christ from the whole, uh, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We start with love, we morph, and we grow into building up in love. Love. Not being a pansy. We love who's walking in the door. You might think I'm a nut bar. You might. I've got somebody right now who is not happy with me. Nobody here. I work, I have a day job, and every now and then over the years I'll get a resume. Somebody will say, you know, can you help me? Help me, help my family member, help somebody get a job at Northwestern Mutual. That's where I work. And I will. If I, I will. I, I brought many, 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 many resumes back. I'm sure a number of you have for your companies that you work for and the things that you do. You've done this, right? Anybody else done this? You brought resumes back for friends? So I've done it. Every now and then, somebody... And they don't even have to be in this, in this house, anywhere, just anywhere. I'll get a resume from a friend who knows a friend. 
And if I, can't, if I can't help them with the job, they'll get mad at me. I mean, really mad at me. They'll stop talking to me. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're mad at me. We're still family. You're still on the hook with me. You're still going to sit next to me at a holiday dinner, if you know what I mean. And I'm going to sit next to you. And other people are going to come into our building, and they're going to sit by each of us. And we got to love each other to death. Because why? That is how we're known. It is an interesting thing. We talk a lot about being a family. A lot about being a family. But that means all that comes with it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And we stand by each other through and through because that's what families do. Right? That's what they do. Have you ever had a family member that's kind of gone away for a while? And you hope they come back again? Has that ever happened to anybody? They've gone away for a while? That's happened here in this house. I hope they come back. Have you ever had family rules in your house that are rules no matter what? I have a rule in my house. My girls have known about it since they've been little that I wouldn't do their wedding if they married an unbeliever. Don't ask me. Is that true, girls? Well, one of them remembers. The other one thinks I'm crazy. Well, it is a rule. has been a rule. We have family rules that we abide by, and we have them here in this house. One of them is we children don't run in between the services. That is a rule we don't always enforce. (laughs) But we have them here, too. We do. There's all kinds. But that's what families do, and we love each other through it. Through the good times and the bad times. It is a privilege to have a family. Remember, God puts the lonely in families. We're here for each other. So we're not lonely. We have each other. We come together. Yes, we eat well with the word. Yes, we have outreach. But just the very nature of us being family should keep us busy. And that's the context that we do our outreach and that we do our home groups and that we do our Pinewood Derbies and that we do our spiritual eating. It's all from the lens of being a, of a family. So I'm excited about that. And with that, I'm going to close the sermon, and I'm going to move on to one more announcement. Sound good? Now, I can tell you, I was excited about speaking on families for a long time, and then it just so happened, this is the day where I have to ask for all of you to help move chairs again. And I thought, well, there's a pretty good family segue. We're getting new carpet Monday, tomorrow. I'm very exciting for us. Any of you who have lived in this house for a while, you're pretty sick of this carpet. Now, I know, I know we've had the carpets cleaned here, ugh. A number of times, a number of times. Judy, Gavin has done it, Jeff's done it. We've had people come in from the outside to do it, and uh, we can't get the stains out. It's got to go. So tomorrow it happens. Tomorrow they start ripping out the carpet. Today, though, we have to move furniture. Uh, yes. So my request today, if all of you, if you're under 18, if you could do all that for us. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. So a few of you I've already spoken with beforehand, and I'm hoping that you've got your specific assignments and you'll know where to go once service ends. But the rest of you, if you could help do me a favor, if you could just grab these chairs and walk them to a Sunday school room. Phil McCabe, are you in here? Phil. So Phil is the fellow who made the announcement about Pinewood Derby. He is going to be in one of the rooms, and he's going to be there to receive your chairs. 
Okay, so if you grab those chairs and put them in there, you'll see other folks moving furniture from other places. That would be great. If you are a guest this morning, please do not worry about the chairs. Okay, guest, no chairs. Family, chairs. All right? Um, once we're done with the chairs in here, it, last time I think we moved the chairs, it took us all of about literally, it was like eight minutes. It was the fastest I think we've ever done the chair moving. It was phenomenal. Very much a blessing. So if you can do that again today, you'll see, again see other people in the other area. Don't worry about that. Um, it's going to, we'll knock it out quickly, right? More hands, light, light load. I think that's how the expression goes. Later this week, a bunch of you, bunch of you guys, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to text a lot of you guys because we're going to need to put the chairs back. Taking them out is one thing. Moving them back is something else. We'll have other furniture to move around. So get ready for that. And I, I just, you know, normally... We don't do this. We have a lot of folks here that, that will come in at different times and, and work on the building and this and that. But I do want to call out one thing. I was here yesterday at, uh, for services at Beth Messiah, and I got here pretty early, and I was walking through the hall, and I'm looking at the ceiling because it's mostly done, and, or if not all done. And I'm looking at it going, oh, wow, this is nice. This looks good. And it dawned on me that all of the lights were set up in the hallway. And that was something that we were going to have to do. And I said, now, who, who put all these lights in? Because I wasn't part of any work crew. I don't remember any announcements. Who put all these lights in? I remembered. There's one person, one person who I think probably did all the lights. Yep, sure enough, Jeff Gavin. Put in all these lights. That, that is no small job. That, and I just want to acknowledge Jeff and Judy for all those hours, so thank you, you two. All right, well, please stand up. We are going to uh, close in a word of prayer and move on. If you have prayer requests, I am going to stay here. You come up and... Let me and the elders pray for you before you go if you want to pray for something. Other than that, if you can grab the chairs, run them in the room, and uh, we'll be good. Sound good? Amen. Lord God, we thank you very much for that example you've given a family. We know what a family is on earth, Lord. We thank you for making it so clear and so easy to understand what a spiritual family is for us. We thank you for placing us in this house or in the houses maybe that we represent. We thank you for the spiritual family aspect in our lives. God, we pray a grace that we're always a family that receives well, that loves well and plainly and clearly and simply in that agape way that you would have, that we would be a good extension of family for you, Lord. God, I am blessed in this house. I have been loved here, and I thank you for that. I thank you for the people who have done that to me, to my family, my natural family. Bless them, Lord, as they've blessed us, please. Thank you for everything, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.